It's the Music Universe live to tape from Las Vegas as entertainment returns today from the Luxor. 484 days. Yeah. From the day we ordered tickets for Garth Brooks to right now, soon to be 485, where it's about midnight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 484 days between the ticket on sale in March of last year. In March of last year. Right. I mean, days before everything shut down. No, it was the weekend. And I mean, that Monday, he would like, yeah, we still going to have on sale. And then the world stopped. Yeah, yeah. I remember it very vividly because I remember my boss was off of work. And I, the, the like six weeks before, when the concert was announced. It was right before I was supposed to go to Texas. And it was right before I was supposed to go to Texas. Sorry, I'm sitting here with a clip on and I, I lean on my cheek with my hand. It was right before I was supposed to go to Texas. And I called you, I said, okay, so we're doing Garth in Vegas. You said, do I get a choice in the matter? I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I never get a choice. No. I never get Actually, a choice. Actually, whose idea was it? I think it was mine, honestly. Yeah. I think. I think I said we're going to Vegas because at that point I had never been. That was going to be my first trip. Yeah. And then those that are avid listeners or regular listeners know that um, Memorial Day, I, I met you out here. So that was technically my first trip, but it was only 24 hours. Yeah. I saw a lot in 24 hours, but this was the trip. Much to the chagrin of the itinerary we were supposed to have together, but that's well, another story entirely. The fact is, scheduling did get kind of, you know, because he wanted around. to be a tourist. You know what? No, it's fine. I'm not saying that critically. <laughs> it's okay to be a tourist. I was a tourist when I lived in Nashville. Yes. I was a tourist when I lived in LA. I'm a tourist in DC. I love. I'm a tourist when I go home to St. Louis and I grew up there. So. When I get to go in the Capitol with my little press badge, I'm like, I can't believe I'm in the Capitol. See? It, there's you know, nothing wrong with it. And I'm like, I'm reading the things in the museum. But yes, so it was supposed to be your first trip. We decided we'd do it. Then on sale that weekend, again, so I snuck in her office and I called her. I said, we're going to do, do this. And um, we talked about it. And then on sale happens. And literally right as I'm, like my queue time is coming up, there's a big meeting about COVID in our conference room. <laughs> and so I think that's why we ended up where we were supposed to sit initially. Yeah. And thank God I got back, I got us our tickets. But that night I was flying to Universal uh, on a research mission, actually, Universal Florida. Those of you that follow me, specifically me, know that I work with the man who was inside the Barney the Dinosaur suit for 22 years. Because you also, are crazy and don't let a damn pandemic stop you from traveling. Well, this was before every... What are you doing? Well, I was trying to discreetly get my drink and realize this thing's mobile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 on, uh, we're, we're on a cool setup because we're together. Yes. And, uh, Sitting in chairs in the room. Not used to that. Used to being hardwired at home. Yes. Stuck in front of a, uh, a microphone. So... 
Yeah, we were going to film this, but we just decided it was... We're tired. We're tired. <laughs> it's easier. I mean, we have a really cool setup. You just heard There's me open the curtain. a beautiful view of Mandalay Bay. Mandalay right there. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, beautiful view. Just beautiful view here. So we're, we're on the side that uh, you see Mandalay, if, if you've ever been to Vegas. And I'll tell you, I am... This is my new favorite city. Yeah. I am fascinated with this city. We've done a lot. There is a lot we still haven't done. There's Real quick, just to finish this, because we probably have listeners going, what the hell, Barney the Dinosaur? What, what? Yes, I had to go down the Barney the Dinosaur show at Universal. I had to go and see the suit for a research project. I had to go see it be used. And that was the weekend everything was going to shut down. So buy the tickets, fly, come back. I'm back in Pennsylvania by that following Wednesday. And we all know the rest of the story. You and I are talking about Garth and this concert on pretty much every single podcast that we do. And it's mostly you bringing it up. Well, we're, <laughs> it, it, because I've been to Vegas. This is now 10th time to Vegas for me. Mm -hmm. And I know that Vegas is a very, very good barometer of entertainment throughout the rest of the country. So Broadway shows have come here and tried and failed or tried and succeeded. Lord of the Dance, for example, Michael Flatley uh, performed his last his last show before he retired here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, Vegas is a very important live entertainment town. Yeah. So when things could return here, because they take their live entertainment so seriously, you're good to you're good to go to your sixty five you know your sixty five thousand seat the, uh, stadiums across the country. So. It was, I knew that this would be the test, and we, and our podcasts were very much a, a, a capsule of the time. Yeah. Um, sometimes they were delayed, but we would talk about certain things as the news was breaking and keep bringing it back to what I call in our review of this concert a control. Yeah. That his show is the control for live entertainment around the country. And, you know, it's not like people bought tickets and didn't show up. That stadium was full. You know, yeah, and now we're going to get to the concert side of things. So when we, when we got there, and I mean, guys, you're talking the entertainment capital of the world, and you're talking a 65,000-seat stadium, traffic being just diverted. All of, it, it was insane getting there. Thankfully, we had a ride. We walked back, so they closed the bridge, and we covered this. We tried to find this bridge last time. Yeah. And y'all you all will remember this if you've watched or listened to the episode. We we did film it, we tried walking it. Not knowing at the time that it was a vehicle bridge and they close it down for the concerts. So you're literally walking on the street, they've they've got, you know, barriers and stuff and it's completely closed to foot traffic you i don't know matt if you're going to post this on socials or maybe you have by the time this airs just it looked like ants marching <laughs> i mean you could hardly very move. drunk ants marching <laughs> i mean you were yelling at people we both were annoyed people would the stop. new yorker in me comes out but you know that's fine because i'm i'm an asshole anyway and i can't stand people <laughs> most of the time so it it worked out but it was, you know, up even through, well, Garth came on late. The concert says seven. It was almost 
nine. Well, let's talk about, let's pause uh, there on, on the Garth thing for a second. You want to talk about going on late. And I hate when shows do this. I hate when shows do this, and I'm on record as hating when shows do this. First of all, Dwight Yoakam and Randy Hauser were, we'll come back to Garth, I promise we will. Dwight Yoakam and Randy Hauser were billed as co-headliners. Mm -hmm. We saw the billboard many times along the strip. Well, well we, we kind of need to backtrack. We're kind of jumping around. Here right, 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 right. So what happened? But, but we end up covering... There's, there's, there's a co-headliner that people think is just an opener doing a full set, and then the, peop the person they're there to actually see starting at 11 when the concert is billed to start at 9, and then there's, you know... Get there for seven so that the concert can start, and then not starting until seven fifty. Like that's forgivable. Um, starting at eleven when you're billed at nine, and people think the first act is an opener, that's a little trickier. You know, but to I, get think, I think that was people's perception of that right. show. So to, to kind of back up, we also while we were here, we were covering as much as we could. Friday night, we covered Dwight Yoakam and Randy Hauser at beautiful Mandalay Beach. beach. Mandalay Bay Beach. I mean, it was a beach in the middle of the damn desert. It was awesome. Real beach sand and like two, and two feet of water. People were two-stepping. People were dancing with each other. They were drunk all over each other. You know, it, it was awesome. It was really cool. It was great to see that... Um, that happening getting some likes by the way for our tweets in garth and vegas if you guys you know find us on there be sure to follow and like us so it was a, a neat situation and we have that review up on the website as well randy opened the show with an hour and 15 minutes and dwight came on and he blew through 20 plus songs in the same amount of time i wanted to talk to you about that because you said something to me that you know, you said save it for the podcast. Randy Hauser, Southern rocker. Mm -hmm. Southern rocker. Yeah. Dwight Yoakam, neo-traditional. I said, interesting mix. And I think, now you said it's, I said, I don't know that that works. You said, I, you thought you did. But I think the evidence is on my side because an hour into it, people, frankly, were getting <coughs> drunk and tired and screaming for him to get off the stage. Now, not up close. I think the people up close were... Because there weren't assigned seats. You could walk about as you wanted. I think the people... You could swim You could swim. You could literally That's swim. Awesome. I was singing along to guitars and Cadillacs with water up to my knees. Um, and splashing me. And splashing Buddy because... Well, that's just our relationship. We spat all the time. Anyway. Yeah, I think our listeners know that. Yes. <laughs> you say it's a good mix. And you have your feelings why. I think the fact that the audience was there for Dwight, ready for his kind of music, and they're dealing with this loud, grungy, southern rocker dude for also a full set, says that, eh, well, maybe, a, maybe a Wade Hayes would have been a better opener. He's as, he's as rock as Randy Hauser. Well, he's a little more no, 90s. No, here, but, here's the, anyway, here's the, go here's ahead. Here's the thing. Yes, Dwight's more neo-traditionalist. I think, yeah, the people were there to see Dwight. They were excited about Randy, but because of the, the them, their perception of Randy was opener. 
not co-headliner. And I think that's what pissed him off, and they, they were wanting him off. I don't think it was his music. Yeah. I think they were digging it at first, but after about, like, 45 minutes, but he's still playing. But, yes, and he kept saying, thank you so much for coming early to see to see us. And the people were like, come on early? The damn thing said it started at 9. What the heck? Yeah, he, he kind of treated himself like the opener, and, and I yeah. get that because, you know, you're, you're thanking people I don't. for coming to see you when they didn't have to. I don't because he has so many hits to his name already. Oh, absolutely. And but. a lot of great co-writes. Like, he, he co-wrote Honky Tonk Badonka Donk for Trace, and uh, yes. which we didn't know until I looked that up. But I want to know why you think it's a good fit. He, well, Randy was being humble in the fact that, hey, Thanks for coming. You didn't have to. Sure. Whatever. I, I get that. It It's a little self depreciate. Whatever the hell. That word, is. yes, that we can't um, say at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> it's a you long can't day. say self deprecation at midnight. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think that is. And, deprecating. Yeah, deprecating to him. So it's going to, um, it's going to come off. Right, but exactly. even before people started complaining, I leaned over and he said, Southern Rocker at the ne- with the Neo-Traditionalist, and you like, it works more than you think, I'll tell you on the podcast. So why do you think it's a good mix? Because it's, it's in the traditional country realm of live instruments, no backing tracks, real... Pro country! <laughs> real vocalists. I mean, Randy Hauser has powerful pipes. I, when I found out we were able to cover that show, I was ecstatic because I've, I, it took me a little bit to get into Randy because I'm not one to give new artists a try right. because it's usually the brown country shit that I don't <laughs> like. And I just don't like the programming. I mean, you guys know me by now. You know my taste is 90s Southern rock style country. And rock that is actually rock and not fabricated in ways you know and, and i get you're gonna usually find some loops randy mostly does not have that there's a few poppy hits he does um and when it is it's usually hand claps or something that i can stand that kind of yeah that kind of programming i can't stand the hip-hop shit mm-hmm. so that's why i think it works because it's it's a long 90s country. Dwight was 80s into 90s. Fast As You is his hardest rocking song that I can recall, um, you know, with heavy drums and guitar solos and all that. Um, and Randy is based on, around that. But Randy is, he's got some hell of a traditional style to him yeah. with the rocking. So that's why I think it fits because it wasn't Dwight Yoakam and Luke Bryan. Mm-hmm. Two completely different styles there. And I know Actually, Luke no, has... I think they're I think they're closer together. I know Luke has some country, like Stone Cold Country songs, but I don't know. I, I see Randy and Dwight... Right bringing in yin and yang i, I get right, that right you know so that's why i think that fits but what was really cool about dwight that i uh, appreciated was and this is how you know it's neo-traditional is he had four band members four mm-hmm. and he did and it sounds just like like the albums i think there was a little bit of a mixing issue because he has it he has an admittedly i don't 
a lighter voice than Randy. Not as loud, it's quieter. Right. Um, so the band kind of overpowered him at times. Um, but and there was a lot of feedback. It just too. it just speaks to the authenticity of the music uh, when right. you can play it to its fullest potential with four people behind you. Mm. Uh, that and I actually thought there were three, but they were, where we were, there was a fourth. We just couldn't see him where we were. Um, and and Randy had a, a, a similar setup, a, a smaller yeah band, but he. He very he went into different variations of his songs. He yeah. did some acapella and then some just acoustic with him. He's a hell of a guitar player. I want to touch on that. I didn't know he played lead mm -hmm. guitar like that. He did most of the lead work. Um, so he extended songs, you know, like a cowboy was extended. Great song, and he dedicated that to our troops and all the the mm -hmm. frontline workers. And I thought that was killer but I see I think when, when you do that as an opener or somebody who's positioning yourself as an opener opener and maybe didn't get the memo that this gig is a co-headlining gig at least that's how we're perceiving uh, yeah it. and you start extending songs and jamming like you did because the second to last song was like eight minutes long yeah um, that is when you will annoy the crowd yeah when uh, uh, how country feels I think was a little little too long in my opinion and it's nothing we touched on the, mm -hmm. the sometimes putting these things in were uh in words is harder than in writing i should say is harder than just discussing it because right. you can't hear right tone. and this isn't to say it was a bad show it was an amazing show it was yeah. it was really awesome it's just it's this it's this truth versus public perception if the truth is it's a co-headlining tour but the public perception is Dwight's the bigger name, therefore Randy must be opening for him. It's not like Reba, Brooks, and Dunn, where right. they're both similarly established. Right. You know, I mean, I think Ronnie made a, a joke or Kix made a joke. Yeah, I think, yeah, we all know you're here just to see the redhead. But <laughs> they, they all, they, they, that is a great show here in Vegas that if and when, and please, dear God, let it happen, uh, they come back to the Coliseum, everybody should go see because... They, it's maybe about 45 minutes longer than you're used to for a typical concert, but they do everything and they share equal billing and they share equal footing, I should say. And they're on, on the stage, stage this, yeah, at right. the same time. They, it's just, you know, and then Dwight came out and just plowed through his set. He told one story about Willie. Yep. And weed, but any story with Willie involves weed. <laughs> so you expect that. Um, so he told that, and then it was song after song, and they're relatively short songs. I mean, I think yep. the longest one was likely uh, "Fast as You." Yeah, came back on for an encore. Did "Suspicious Minds." What was really cool is they did "Fast as You," and you do "Bum bum bum bum," and then they like bowed in unison, all five of them. Yeah, and I don't know if you caught that. We were turning to leave the pool at that I, point. I didn't actually. Yeah, but bum 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 bum, <laughs> and they bowed in unison. This is really cool. It, it really was a classic country. And I'm a big Branson fan. Now, he's way above the Branson caliber that, that it's become. But that was that kind of really traditional style. It was a great show and a great opener for us to get and a great sort of warm-up for us to go to Garth. And kind of getting back to that, he didn't have an opener. It was all him mm -hmm. getting on stage, like we were saying, around 8 o'clock. Got off right at 
right after 10. Yeah, it was about 20 after 10, so it was a good two hours. No, we no, we were on the road by 20 after 10. He was he was off by 10.05, and then we got to the bridge and were across mm, the bridge by okay. 10.45. Anyway, I, I kept track because I wanted to see how long the walk was. Um, okay, well, I, I kind of glance around, and then I... Your favorite part of the show? Ooh, um... I love when, uh, well, we anticipate, I will say, my favorite part. <sighs> There's just too many. I, I enjoyed, um, I don't want to give it away, but when he plays Thunder Rolls, just what happens during it is really cool. And you know all his facial expressions. I just love those when mm -hmm. he he stares, he glares at yeah. the crowd when he sings it. Um, I loved. Uh, I enjoyed, and I don't want to give this away because I don't know that it'll be a standard. But when he played Friends in Low Places, I thought it was relatively early in the night. Mm -hmm. Even though I was, you know, we were keeping track. Twenty, what I tell you, twenty-seven songs, and ten of them were in the encore, and we'll get to that in a minute. So, obviously, 17 songs. Main set. But Friends was 15. And I'll leave it at that. Yes. I wonder if that was intentional or he forgot. Well, <laughs> it could be either way. Because they were having some fun up there, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. And I love uh, it. When, uh, Big John, uh, I need a new guitar. I need a guitar tuned to a different key. Well, right. And, and one of my favorite. <laughs> that was great. I love that. One of my favorite parts was when Garth plays Ain't Going Down, The Sun Comes Up. He launches his acoustic guitar across. I mean, it goes high. I wonder if John doesn't ever catch it, it comes out of his salary. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But, because, um, you know, Garth treats his people well. But, I know, I'm um, just joking. Then, you know, he gets up there and he's flinging water and stuff. But I, I love the fact, and this might be, I, I know what you're going to tell me your favorite part is, so I'm, I'm just going to kind of jump ahead here. I love the fact that we got, ask me how I know, and shameless. That's what I was going to say was my favorite part. Yeah. It was that fact. Ask me how I know he did acoustic, and it was like he was moved to do acoustic. I think the band was coming in to play they it. They were. He, well, I don't think they were going to play the song. Okay. It, the way I, I don't think he was going to, but because he fed off the crowd's energy for, was yeah. it uh, Unanswered prayers, maybe before yes. that. Yes, and then was like, I want more of them singing alone. Yeah. Goodbye, go sit over there. He told me, he's <laughs> like, if you, you get what, you know, he, he was kind of like blunt about it. Yeah, it was unanswered prayers before it. He's like, you know, you guys are asking for it, yeah. so you're going to give me more. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, and, and, he, and we did, you know, it, it was fantastic. It was fun. I, you know, and when the band would go off stage, they'd actually just sit on one side of this. And this stage is very wide it's very low to the ground he he doesn't it's only about five feet off the ground he doesn't do or actually no it no, was probably, probably six uh, six to eight feet yeah no no because i was when we got up to the stage there at the end oh yeah we was we it could. taller than me or was i taller than it i we, we were able to kind of touch it you had to put your hand up a little bit so yeah so it, it was probably, was probably about six five feet. feet six feet yeah you're not six feet um 
low to the ground, but very wide. Yeah. Um, and um, very, very wide. So the band would just go to one side and sit down on the steps and then come back. It, 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 it's, it's just, it's like the man has put the Bluebird, what it is, the man has put the Bluebird Cafe in a stadium. And he's been doing this his whole career. Yeah. And I told you several times, he's going to cry on stage. Yes. And I don't have confirmation. It looked like he did. Mm -hmm. He was so overwhelmed. Yeah. And when the river came on and everybody pulled out their flashlights on their phone, he goes, you remembered. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's given me, you know, it's yeah. making me teary-eyed because you just think about what we've we, been missing. Uh, we and waited you, so long. You come back and you're, it's like it never happened. Yeah. And I love when he just throws his arms out. He just yeah. throws his arms out and takes the crowd in. Man, he was so grateful. And, and that's Garth for you. He, he's always grateful because he always self-deprecating. He's always self-deprecating. Himself as well. His songwriting, his, you know, well, if we're lucky enough that they, get, that they come. Yeah. Garth, if you're listening, we are going to come. And we're coming in droves. 65,000 people or more at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. The first one back. And then we got Salt Lake. We got Nashville and then Salt Lake. We're not going, but Salt Lake sold out so quick. He added a dive bar, mm -hmm. and I'm still not convinced he's not adding a second stadium show to at least one of the ones that recently sold out very quickly, because that's just not. You reach a point, and, and, and I say this because Garth knows this. I'm not. I'm not being critical of him, but this was the problem he ran into with the arena tour. You reach a point uh, with with those on sales happening so quickly that it just isn't fair. There's so yeah. many people in line that you either have to release more tickets, production holds sooner, or, which I think he did with Salt Lake. There was a second on sale for Salt uh, he Lake. He did with Vegas, too. Yeah, yes. They, they did production hold, but that was like a And there was a second on sale. Yeah. There wasn't really an announcement for that. It just right. kind of happened. So, um, you know... At a certain point, it's just not fair because you get the people that are right there. Like me, I had planned my morning around getting our Vegas tickets. Mm -hmm. And we still ended up in the section that we ended up not sitting in. Thank you to the Garth team for the press tickets. Um, but that tells yes, you how quickly you. they have to, you know. You know, it, it's got to be mind-boggling to think about everything that goes into it. Because let's, let's take the arena tour, for example. You announce one show. But are the logistics already set up for three to five shows? You know, right. You, you're pretty much ex expecting that they are in anticipation that you may need them. If you don't need them, you... you he has done the, double dates on this tour already. I know there was one. Uh, at least one. But I, I think his idea behind this is they're one-offs. Because you're playing to more people than the arenas. Right. Um, I think it was Minneapolis. I think... Yeah, it was somewhere. One of them, the mayor, literally asked him, hey, Garth, we got a lot of people here. We're getting a lot of calls. Can you add a second show? And then yeah. he said, yeah. Yeah, well, when you get a call from a mayor, it's a little different than just being yeah. like, well, I'm just going to throw it. And, and, you know, they keep track. They can tell how the, many people are in the queue, and that's when they start adding additional shows, at least last time. The energy tonight 
I, the crowd didn't shut up. The crowd I did just, not sit. I just, that noise, I'll never unhear just that wall mm -hmm. of, doesn't even sound like screaming. You know they're being loud, but it it's so many people, it almost gets muffled. It was yeah. just, it all becomes one. Now I know what football fans mean when they talk about that, that sound that just sounds so foreign. Because I'd never seen anything in a football arena. I'm not a sports guy. I, I you know, never seen. And I'm I'm very stadium averse. You know, not uh, so much anymore. You know, if it's like a balls. domed stadium. What? I said you don't like balls, folks. <laughs> I'm sitting next to a table with about two, <laughs> three <laughs> bottles of water that's still have water in them. <laughs> And what Buddy has just done <laughs> is he has asked me to come and pour water on his lap. That's what I've just heard. It's late. He said something about balls. <laughs> well, you've been... Yeah, I know. Anyway. You've been talking about moist stuff. <laughs> <laughs> for, I, we got cake at, at Venetian yesterday. And From the cake uh, boss, and it was moist. The cake boss, and it was delicious. It was moist. And I said moist so unironically and so unsexual. And this one over here. Thank you, Nirvana. Just, Thank you, Nirvana. Just loses it in the middle of the Venetian. And I'm like, you know, I wasn't even trying to, because I do try to crack him up with By the way, jokes. no alcohol tonight. This is just pure, Yeah, this is just us. This is coming just off the show. Coming off the show excitement. Well, you know, and it's just the energy tonight, goofy or not, uh, was just <laughs> fantastic. And then to have Trisha come out, do a couple numbers in the encore. And if you were following on social media, you knew she was going to come out. Yes, because she teased it by showing a picture of the microphone. They did shallow. They had to do shallow. I mean, my God. And, and Garth's like, well, I know if I, uh, I'm going to piss off everybody if. You just come out and do that one song. So yeah. then, then they played Walk Away Joe. And, and uh, then my second favorite part was just that she stayed up there yeah. and just played with everybody on Standing Outside the Fire. He asked her to sing back up. Yeah. yeah. And it was off the cuff, too, because she was going to leave. Yeah. Well, my another favorite part was when she actually told Garth she, <laughs> he was right. because About the chord of the guitar. Yeah. Now, she, she stopped him. It was just him and her for Walk Away Joe, and he had... He'd started it, and then it sounded like it was a little, maybe a little high for her at first. And so she's like, let me stop you. You know, it's in the wrong key. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And they kind of back and forth a little bit. And she's like, I'm going to tell everybody, or to say this in front of everybody, but you're right. And the crowd erupted. Yes. Because when's the last time a woman's ever told a man <laughs> he's right? Yeah. And uh, out of all times, in front of 65,000 people. And then at the end of the song... Garth realized, Garth starts to do that <laughs> for standing outside the fire, starts strumming, and he's like, oh, she was right. <laughs> this was in F, not open E. John! <laughs> but I'll tell you, when she said that he was right and the crowd was laughing at Garth, you know, walked the stage just accepting it. Big man. Uh, exactly. Uh, she was mouthing, he's not right. right. What I want to talk about here. Oh, she was. Yeah, you could see in the, um, you, you could see in the uh, screen. Screen. She's like, he's not right. 
<laughs> what I want to talk about here is how important Vegas has been to Garth, especially coming out of retirement, because I don't consider that retirement ended in 2014. I consider that retirement, semi-retirement ended in 2009 with the Wynn residency. Yeah, which, he was part-time then. Right, but I think everything has a, has a different motive. He always said he would be back, mm -hmm. right? He always said he'd come back. That was, that was boot camp. Wynn was boot camp. Because in those early days of the 2014 to 2017 tour, his voice was shot mm -hmm. after the long runs. We saw the second night of Pittsburgh. His voice was going um, during the first shot. Not, not me, but you and your... Yeah, sorry, my family and I yeah. saw the... Saw the. I went to both. This was before I was press and was a fan and decided to do two shows one night. And I mean, I you're already there. Why I not? Saw, right. I saw the first show. I saw the first show. And for $70 tickets, come on. Yeah. I, I saw the first show with my family. His voice was going. Second show, front floor, voice was gone. So imagine how hard that would have been to get that muscle back up mm -hmm. if he hadn't had five years. Now yeah. he's fine. Last two years of the tour, 16, 17, he never really lost his voice. Stadium tour doesn't lose his voice because they're one-offs. He started training here in Vegas to come back. Yeah. And then a supposed arena tour concert DVD was filmed here at T-Mobile because he was the inaugural one. I think he was the inaugural concert for T-Mobile. Um, we gotta check that out. I I don't look think it up. So. You have your phone. I don't. Um, damn it. I I don't think he was. It was a special. It was supposed to be a TV special, but I I don't know what happened. It was supposed they, to be a special. Maybe they didn't find a distributor or a partner with that. Right. I, I because what happened was, and he even made mention of this, because I think Vegas was three shows. He even made mention of this at the next stop. Talking about how he had to wear the same shirt, mm -hmm. stand in the same spots for the songs. He was, it was a very directed show um, with continuity in mind across the three concerts. Right. But, but, you know, he opened a new venue with the win. He was the resident with the win. Him and Beyonce, they switched off dates. Um, and then now he inaugurated another new venue in Vegas. Uh, so it was just, it was an all around, this, we dreamed of this moment, doing this show, writing the article we just posted at themusicuniverse.com that we both, we co-wrote. Um, but the way the website works, it only credits one author. So I, if you look at uh, Matt's article, or you look at the Garth review, it'll show Matt with my con contributions. But if you look at the Dwight and Randy one, it'll show me with Matt's contributions so. so we switched off yeah. you know it, it just but the point is we got to do this together mm -hmm. and it's finally back and you know it's weird I thought I'd get emotional I thought I'd cry because this was an exhausting year I mean for me personally for you too for me I mean I, I, I went through a breakup I went through moving to a new city <laughs> I went through living at home for a time before moving to a new city and then moving to a new city in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, 
working, you know, in political media as I do through, you know, working through this past election, and everything was still shut down, and now is finally back. We did Vegas. We've been dreaming of this and thinking about it for 484 days, and, and you know, I'll say in my Facebook posts when I do post about it, you know, knowing that this was coming got me through the hardest moments of the last year, thinking about it every day, knowing that, you know, there's no way they would let 65,000 people gather until we're back to normal. So guess what, friends? Garth even agrees. We're back, baby. Yeah, and it's very surreal now because you, I even, I looked at you in the stadium and I'm like, this is, it's like it never even existed. It's yeah. like COVID never existed. We're all back. Garth, you know, was, he couldn't believe it. It's and it's one said, of those things you don't believe it until you see it because you, you know what you've been through the last year and a half, mm -hmm. which is which is hard to believe too when yeah. you think about it. But now things are coming back. Like I, I don't think I've seen, but maybe just very few masks. Well, and there was a video message. I didn't mention this in the, in the article because it's, it's just, I didn't really want to talk too much about the pandemic in the, in the article, but. No, no, we don't need to. Um, he said, there's a video message that plays and he taped it in the locker room. It plays on the big screen and you'll probably get one in your city um, that says, hey, you know, if you see somebody, if you're not wearing a mask and you see somebody who is wearing a mask, don't look at them funny. And if you're wearing a mask and you see somebody who's not, don't look at them funny. And the crowd cheered. Uh, you know, he says, if you're doing one thing and you see another person doing the other, don't look at them funny. I mean, he was nicer about it. He says, we're all coming out of this thing at our own pace. Mm -hmm. uh, let's, you know, but he says, the most important thing is, I want you to remember the words. And the crowd was like, yeah. And I never saw, nobody gave anybody a dirty look. And again, very few masks. And I think, honestly, yeah. Just as a profile of a person, if you're willing to go be with 65,000 people, like shoulder to shoulder in your seats, um, you're, you're not really the type of person to care either way about a mask. No. So I mean, there's no way you could, and there's definitely no social distancing. I mean, yeah. we were like sardines getting out of there, going up the steps because you're on the floor. You got to go up there, you know, and then heading out and then packed on once we finally got on the bridge it kind of spread out a little bit but yeah i mean there it was it was like and that's what i was saying there it's like the, the pandemic never even existed and it was just a continuation it was just another tour stop well here's hoping that everything continues and when i'm back in dc those shows will be normal and when you're back in bakersfield those shows will be normal and like mm -hmm. i said this was it. This was the marker of everything feeling right again. And it just felt so right. It did. It did. Uh, you know, and, and one, I'll say, sad thing to report before we leave. Um, you know, Dirk Bentley's Seven Peaks Festival in uh, Ohio actually is canceled. And that's because of... Mm -hmm restrictions locally there so some places qu just quite aren't there yet they mm -hmm. will everybody just has to bear with it um you know and just kind of deal deal with it because that's you know we can't really control that we couldn't control what happened we can now control if 
you know, were willing to go out and do these things, but you can't control if something gets canceled because of right. it. So just take it as it comes, celebrate it if it happens, and cherish it all more closely because with the Delta variant out there, with some states still having restrictions, if you get to cross that finish line and the tour gets to come to your your uh, city without any problems, you've made it, you're back to normal, and you can just go out and have some fun. Mm -hmm. It is 1 a.m. here, and I have to go deprecate Buddy. Uh, and I see a bed two feet in front of me that I am ready to crawl into. And I am literally sacrificing sleep to beat traffic in yes. the morning to head back to California. I'd much rather you sleep in and be well rested because well. I don't want you to die. And on that note, uh, 40 <laughs> minutes in, thanks for listening to the Music Universe podcast live from the Luxor in Las Vegas. I'm Buddy. I'm Matt. And be sure to keep checking out us on socials at the Music Uni and, of course, themusicuniverse.com. Be sure to share the uh, reviews if you like them and uh, follow us on socials and sub hit that subscribe button. Make sure to read our Garth review. I sat here and we just wrote it from our heart so uh, as we did this conversation. So, uh, yeah, that's it. We'll see you next time. Uh -huh.